Packers-Seahawks games are already exciting, and an NFC Championship matchup only made it incredibly epic. The Colts were demolished by the Patriots, but just a public service announcement. If you have a problem with deflated balls, call a medical professional, or blame Bill Belichick and the Patriots. <laughs> Deflate gate, that's what she said jokes, and more on today's Out of Bounds. Welcome to Out of Bounds. I'm Addie Thomas. I'm David Adams. As always, we want to hear from you. Head on over to our website, talkoutofbounds.com. There's a ton of ways you'll find on there to get in touch with us. You can tweet us at Talk Out of Bounds, Facebook us, email us. While you're there, go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. It'll make it really easy to keep up with the show, and it'll help us bring you even better content in the future. You can always let us know what you think by sharing with us on Facebook, on Twitter, by email, even leaving us a voicemail. You can be right here on the show with us. That's what we'd absolutely love to do, have you here on the show with us. Again, all of that, just go to talkoutofbounds.com. So championship weekend just ended, and man... (sighs) That first game was crazy. The NFC Championship was incredibly epic. Almost, you couldn't have written it better than that. You really couldn't. It was almost exhausting with how intense yeah. that game was. Um, for about 57 minutes, the Packers handled business in Seattle. Green Bay went into the final three minutes, leading 19-7. to But then the Seahawks shocked the world. They scored 21 points in absolutely insane fashion. They did it in the final moments of regulation and in the very first drive of overtime. Despite being the better team for the vast majority of the game, the Packers will be watching the Super Bowl on TV. The Seahawks, meanwhile, are the first team to make it to consecutive Super Bowls since the 03 and 04 Patriots. Everybody is really pointing to the early on Mike McCarthy decisions to not go for it on fourth and goal from the one yard line. They wound up getting six points out of those two Seattle turnovers early on. And everybody's kind of criticizing that as being where the Packers lost the game, not losing it. There's not as much criticism for them losing it late. I think they just lost it because they weren't aggressive enough on offense. And I thought those two calls were a symptom of it. But when you only score, what they only scored, I think, six points in the entire second half, that's not good enough to win a playoff game. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what what you did in the first half. If you only score six points in the second half, you're not going to win that game. I can go back and forth on McCarthy's decisions early in the game. I mean, obviously, I would have liked to see him go for it on, you know, with such short yardage. But I can see his decision. My issue with his aggressiveness is that they called an aggressive defensive game for the first half. They got to Wilson consistently, knocked him down, hit him so many times, sacked him several times, and they were throwing him off so much so that his timing wasn't there. He wasn't able to pass. They were they became a one-dimensional game and only Marshawn Lynch could make any progress, but they were even able to limit it that way because they were one-dimensional because of that. But then all of a sudden, they got really conservative in the second half. They started only rushing three down linemen. Then Wilson started to be able to play his magic. He wasn't hit as much. He was able to think a lot lot more clearly. And he picked them apart. See, I think you and I kind of disagree on this. I think the Packers' defense really, really played an awesome game. For the first half, yes. But we haven't seen somebody... uh, 
limit Seattle like they were doing. We haven't seen Russell Wilson have a four interception game. We haven't seen Russell Wilson have zero completions to his own team for 30 minutes of football. I give the Packers defense a ton of credit. And I'll say this, man, if I hadn't been watching that game with my own eyes, I would not believe the kind of comeback the Seahawks had. That floater two-point conversion, the... The uh, the pass in overtime, it's like somebody wrote the story for them to be like the craziest thing that you've ever watched on TV. The second game, the AFC Championship, was very different. Personally, I thought it was a lot more of a boring game. I loved it. I of loved every second. Because you're a Patriots fan, yeah. and you're a fan of deflated balls. So. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> well, the Colts tried their best to hang with Brady and company in the first half, but the Patriots absolutely dominated Indianapolis in the third quarter, and they put the game out of reach with 21 unanswered points. Despite the hype after winning in Denver last week, the Colts did not resemble a Final Four team. Incredibly, this will be the sixth Super Bowl appearance for the Patriots in the Belichick-Brady era. And with the win, Belichick... And with the win, Belichick earned his 21st postseason win, more than any other head coach in NFL history. Brady also earned the distinction of being the only quarterback to ever start in six Super Bowls. Uh, Honestly, it seems like the Patriots won the AFC when they beat Baltimore in the divisional round. That Ravens game and what they had to do to win that game was kind of their AFC championship. And I thought the real loser from the Patriots game wasn't the Colts. I thought the real loser was the Broncos. The fact that Indianapolis lost by 38 points to New England really makes their victory over the Broncos seem even even shakier. It, It even makes the Broncos look shakier than we thought after that divisional round loss. But coming out of this game, though, you know, obviously the Patriots played a great game. Every phase of football, special teams, defense, offense, they were great. But the one thing that's kind of come out of this game, there's a little bit of controversy because apparently Dequell Jackson, when he intercepted Brady, he thought something was weird with the football. He brought it to to one of the coaches and they got it to an official. And And now that there's this whole controversy of whether or not the Patriots were using slightly deflated footballs to have a bit of an offensive advantage, to have balls that were easier to to catch and to throw. I feel like there's going to be a fair amount of laughing uh, from the overuse of the word balls. I mean, they they just tried to create an advantage by, you know, being able to handle their balls more effectively. <laughs> nice. Nice. Even if they're not found guilty, it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. The the Patriots don't get any doubt after Spygate in 2007. I think that this was incredibly poor timing for something like this to come out because it came out right at the start of the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. There isn't much to talk about these two weeks. <laughs> and now you get this thing about the Patriots cheating. I think the whole thing is kind of stupid. The game was was determined by 38 points. It's not like a deflated football is what is the reason why the Patriots won. And my bet is that the NFL isn't going to be able to prove that the Patriots did it, even if they did actually do this. I don't think there's going to be enough conclusive evidence to really prove that they did it. I just don't think they're going to get any... They're not going to get any shade of doubt from anybody out there because of what happened. I think there's a legit possibility that this was done by the Patriots, because this actually isn't the first time that this was... uh, There was a rumor that the Patriots had been doing this. That being said... 
I have a hard time imagining that with all the other people who handle the football, the refs, the the ball boys, you know, <laughs> everyone else. Yeah, it just seems like it would be too difficult for the Patriots to be sitting on the sideline deflating balls and hoping that nobody's noticing what they're doing. And <laughs> I also maybe they had Vince Wilfork like just sit on a ball or something. <laughs> uh, and my other thing is. I don't know the answer for this. If you happen to know the answer for this, I would love to hear from you again. Check out talkoutofbounds.com. Let us know. When you play a, a game in the in in the cold rain, does that automatically kind of depressurize the footballs a little bit? Like, could that just the fact that it's cold and rainy could that have had an impact on the football? Does is this something that happens kind of commonly in places like New England and Green Bay and and places like that? Because it. it that is a thing that happens when the cold temperatures come in contact with it. It can lose a little bit of pressure, I think. Well, actually, I don't think so, because I actually read that Aaron Rodgers actually likes his ball <laughs> pumped a little with a little bit extra pressure <laughs> because he has bigger hands and he can handle a fully inflated ball more effectively than most quarterbacks. It's just not fair. <laughs> It's just not fair. You're expecting me to respond to any of this with a straight face. It's not fair. But apparently every quarterback sort of has a slight preference to, to what, you know, the way they inflate the ball. So there are minor adjustments made, apparently, so be, so that each quarterback can sort of have their feel for their balls. You know, uh, yeah, there was something about how Eli Manning likes his balls and Brady likes his balls and Rodgers. You know, every, everyone has a slightly different feel. That they prefer. Um, so, so there may, I think there could be something to this. Um, but at the end of the day, when it came to this game, <laughs> clearly it didn't matter because even with a, a fully inflated ball, the Colts could not, could not win. By the way, if we missed any uh, balls jokes, please uh, go ahead and go on over to talkoutofbounds.com. Let us know what we missed. <laughs> Well, we've seen a bunch of coaching changes already in the, the last couple of weeks as more teams have been eliminated and other teams are figuring out who's available. Uh, a couple more hires have been made. John Fox recently left the Denver Broncos as head coach. The Denver Broncos are completely restructuring their team, which uh, if you listened last week, I thought is absolutely crazy. I still think is a crazy idea. John Fox instead was hired by the Bears as their head coach. Interestingly enough, he had a press conference on Tuesday, and uh, he he said he is looking forward to meeting his quarterback, Jake Cutler. So we'll see how long that relationship lasts. Jake Cutler, the quarterback so bad you want to forget his name. (laughs) Gary Kubiak, who was the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, is looking to be hired as the head coach for the Broncos. Uh, So there's a little bit of change up there. Mark Tressman who was formerly the Bears head coach, is now going to replace Gary Kubiak as the Ravens offensive coordinator. Uh, we, we mentioned last week that Dick LeBeau left Pittsburgh. He's been a big part of that franchise for a long time, been a big part of one of their hallmark features, their defense. It looks like he's going to be reunited with Bruce Arians over in Arizona. He will not be defensive coordinator, but he will be a consultant for that defense in Arizona. Which is perfect timing because Todd Bowles, former defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, is heading to New York. And he's going to be the head coach of the Jets. Former Bills head coach Chan Gailey will be the new offensive coordinator. And this is one where I'm going to stop a little bit. And I'm going to say, I am. I mean, obviously I already hate the Patriots. 
And I've never really had any real reason to root for the Jets. But now with Todd Bowles there, I am totally rooting for the Jets. So yeah. much more now. Forever unclean. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan was formerly offensive coordinator with the Browns. Looks like he's heading to Atlanta. It's probably as an offensive coordinator. There's still uh, a lot more details. And that right now, that's only a rumor. Yeah, it looks like this is a an indicator that Dan Quinn, the Seahawks defensive coordinator, is probably going to be the Falcons' new head coach because the rumor is that Dan Quinn wants Kyle Shanahan as offensive coordinator, so it seems like they're kind of sweetening the pot for him to come to Atlanta. So look for that to develop more after the Super Bowl. There's a big reunion in New York. Steve Spagnuolo is back as defensive coordinator for the New York Giants. He's reuniting with Tom Coughlin up in New York. He was formerly the defensive coordinator for the Giants, and he was a part of the 2007 Giants who beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, the (sighs) nearly undefeated Patriots. (sighs) Jim Tomsula, who was the linebackers coach for the 49ers, is now their head coach. So the 49ers obviously have let go of Vic Fangio, who was formerly their defensive coordinator. Right now, the 49ers are, are looking to kind of restructure their, their team right now. They're looking at offensive coordinator for Alabama, Lane Kiffin, or former Browns head coach Rob Chudzinski to be their offensive coordinator. Former Redskins offensive line coach Chris Forster also may be headed to San Francisco. If you if you're feeling bad about yourself, if you have a low self-esteem, I have a cure for you. Go on YouTube right now and just YouTube any Jim Tom Sula press conference. Just any of them. It doesn't matter which one. This guy honestly sounds like he needs speech therapy. He sounds like he his, mumbles all the time. His his press conference was so bad. It makes Marshawn Lynch look informative. Oh, I'm pretty sure he actually went to the Marshawn Lynch School of PR. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But they think Jim Tom Sula is their guy? I mean, do they really not? They clearly did not have a high opinion of Jim Harbaugh, which is really crazy. Do you remember the episode of South Park, the economy episode, where eventually the big banking honchos, the guys who were making all the decisions... It turns out that they've just been cutting off a chicken's head (laughs) and wherever the chicken's body lands on this big turn tile, that's the decision they go with. I get the the impression that the the 49ers had one name, Jim Tom Sula. It didn't matter how bad the candidate was. They just went with him. Well, former 49ers defensive coordinator Vic Fangio, he interviewed with the Washington Redskins, but he left without any sort of offer. It was announced on Tuesday that he will head to Chicago instead as their defensive coordinator. The Redskins instead hired Chargers linebacker coach Joe Barry. Before, Joe Barry had some experience in the NFL as a defensive coordinator. Unfortunately, he was part of the 08 winless Lions. Well, so he'll fit right in in Washington. He's used to not winning. (laughs) Ex-Bills head coach Doug Marone will join the Jaguars as an assistant head coach and an offensive line coach. I'm sure we'll have more updates for you. We'll have we'll have that next week on our on our next episode where we'll actually go into more depth about our Super Bowl picks and Super Bowl analysis. But for now, let's actually talk Super Bowl picks real real briefly. We'll we'll get into more detail next week, but for now, who's your favorite? Okay, so I've been picking against Seattle the whole time because I think that and I still think this. I think there's so much tape out on you when you win the Super Bowl once unless you really change what you're doing, unless you really change your schemes, you're not going to win again because you've just been exposed. I still can't pick the Seahawks to win by the same philosophy. 
That being said, I picked against the Patriots both weeks, too. So I'm kind of at an impasse here. I don't want to abandon my morals and pick the Seahawks now. But on the other hand, I will be heartbroken if the Patriots lose. I want them to win so bad. I want them to win so badly. I had this horrific car ride home after Super Bowl 46. The the most recent one where they lost to the Giants. I was just so crushed. I walked out of my friend's place. I didn't say goodbye. I didn't help clean up after the party. Nothing. And I had this god awful silent car ride home. I had to drive my friend home. We rode in silence for about 30 full minutes. No radio. Just like we were coming from a funeral, that kind of silence. I need the Patriots to win. So this is a real dilemma for me. I'm going to pick the Seahawks because I'm hoping that by picking against the Patriots that the better team won't win because I think the Seahawks are way better than the Patriots. I mean, it makes sense because usually your picks are wrong. So Yeah, so I, I guess I'm going to pick Seattle by virtue of all that. But, but boy, I will be praying. I will be crossing my toes, crossing my fingers, anything I can get a hold of. I Please, Patriots, please win. Please don't let us hear another offseason of just Pete Carroll. Before I make my pick, it's just from your story, it sounds just like you're like a terrible friend. <laughs> the worst. Yeah, I know. I actually had to call and apologize later because I was such a dick. <laughs> I think the Seahawks just slightly are the better team. I think they will win. That I think it's just as simple as that. I think... The Patriots team is incredibly well-balanced. Obviously, you can't take that defense for granted. They have a great offense as, as usual, and special teams, they're great. But I just think right now the Seahawks are, I mean, they're still somehow playing with a chip on their shoulder, which is weird since they are the defending Super Bowl champions. But uh, apparently they have a lot of doubters for some reason. Yeah, uh, that like one sportscaster who <laughs> predicts that they won't win. Actually, I think last week that was you. Yeah, I was Actually, probably the, the only person. With you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all talking to you. <laughs> they had the chip on their shoulder because of you, David. Yeah, I'm sure that they're all listening to me. <laughs> you, so it's actually you're the reason for uh, for their their comeback win. Oh God, don't do this now. Don't <laughs> yeah. make me more depressed. Think about it. I want you to like mull over that for the next week. Thanks. I'm sure I won't internalize this. <laughs> but yeah, I do think the Seahawks are the better team. As always, though, we want to know what you think. What are your Super Bowl storylines? What are you excited about? Head on over to TalkOutOfBounds.com. Share with us what you think. And while you're at our website, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and on Stitcher. We would love for you to rate and review us on both places if you can. It'll really help us uh, grow our audience a little bit. It'll help us make it possible so that more people can discover the podcast as well. And what that'll do in turn is let us do some cooler things down the road, bring you some more interviews, more exclusives, and some really cool things we plan to do in this offseason as well. It's actually coming up soon where we're going to have our last show of the season, take a little bit of a break uh, just so you know what to expect. But uh, but we've got some really cool plans of some things we'd love to do for you, some video, some interviews, some fun bits, some some really cool features, all sorts of stuff that we'd love for you to be a part of. But please, that can only really be possible if you share the podcast with your friends and if you also rate review us so other people can discover the show as well. Well, that's going to just about do it for today. Be sure you keep an eye out for our next episode of Quick Hits real soon and... Early next week, we will have our full Super Bowl preview. Be sure to check that out.